Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. hundred years ago, there was a man named John. Or was it 80 years ago? Or was it today? Even John's not sure. All he really knows is that while so many things change, there are also so many things that stay the same. Traveling through the web of time with his old friend Ed in their ever-changing barbershop, John makes a point to always grab the local newspaper. The time capsules that let him and Ed know exactly where, and more importantly, when they are. No matter what part of time they land in, it seems John and Ed are known by every local they encounter, so it's best they stay up on the times. Today we find John returning to the shop with a copy of the Alexandria Gazette. The date is August 3, 1914, and they're in a place called Alexandria, Virginia. Yesterday, Sunday, August 2nd, the first military action on the Western Front occurred as a skirmish at Jean Charest in northeastern France near the border. History tells us that a small German cavalry known as the Uhlans illegally crossed the border and clashed with the local French militia. But as you will soon hear, reports of the day aren't very clear on who crossed whose border. War has not been declared yet between France and Germany, even though everyone knows it's coming. So much so that yesterday morning, Germany issued a 12-hour ultimatum to Belgium, who was supposed to be a neutral country, to allow German troops passage into France. Of course... Belgium will refuse the demand. Also yesterday, there was a secret alliance signed between Germany and the Ottoman Empire. Well, it was a secret at the time. Not to mention the fact that a mass of German troops had already occupied Luxembourg as part of the German Schleifen plan to attack France. So yeah, like I said, the war between Germany and France had already started. And let's not lose sight that just a couple of days ago, on the 1st of August, Germany declared war on Russia too. Today, the third, even though the newspapers in the United States didn't know it yet, Germany will declare war on France and make it official. Thus, moving ahead with a long-held strategy envisioned by their former chief of staff of the army, Alfred von Schleifen, for a two-front war against France and Russia. Everyone is in for a hellish and bloody ride. On a different note, back in 1900, the famous Women's Christian Temperance Union member Carrie A. Nation began destroying saloons with a hatchet, and the idea of prohibition started spreading throughout the United States. By now, in 1914, 33 states in the U.S. have statewide prohibition, and currently Virginia is preparing to vote. Oh, 
and Mrs. Hall wants to testify on her own behalf, but her attorneys have doubts. And now we, too, are falling through the archives. Here we are, my friend. It's Monday. August 3rd? 1914. And we're in Alexandria, Virginia. You are correct, my good man. Good. Now tell me, what's going on in the world today? War? I believe so. Now then, let me get myself situated. Okay, it's Monday, August 3rd, 1914. Since it's a Monday, I'll forgive you for repeating what we've already discovered. Fine. Keep it up, because it's routine. And important. Now let's see here. Europe is now armed camp. Bloody engagement at Petite Cross. French defeat Germans. Russia makes move. Germans driven back. Lebau, Russian naval post on Baltic, in flames from bombardment. London, August 3rd. A news ticker service says that a naval battle between the German and British squadrons in the North Sea, six German warships were sunk, and Great Britain lost one. The Admiralty has no confirmation of such a report. Berlin, August 3rd. Rumors are circulated here that German destroyers have been engaged in the North Sea. The rumors say that they were attacked by British craft and gave a good account of themselves. There is no official confirmation. London, August 3rd. Naval officials admit that British destroyers have been scouting the North Sea and located the German fleet Sunday night. All information regarding the whereabouts of the fleet is refused. Berlin, August 3rd. The war office this evening confirmed the report that a French army has invaded Germany. The French forces crossed the frontier near a town on the French border 10 miles east of Belfort. The French advance is being opposed by the German border patrols, who are slowly retiring in the face of superior force. According to the news received by the war office, the French army of invasion includes nearly 750,000 men. It is accompanied by heavy artillery, and a detachment of aviators have scouted over the heads of the German forces. Three German army corps have been dispatched to engage the invaders. The French army of invasion was supported by several batteries of field artillery and motorcycle detachment, which crossed to the north of the main body. It is believed here that a general battle between the invaders and the German forces sent to oppose them will begin shortly. Paris, August 3rd. French arms have scored a victory in a sharp, bloody engagement at Petit Crox. A corps of Yuhans attacked the French forces entrenched just beyond the town. The defenders replied with machine guns and mowed down the advanced guard of Germans. The Yuhans charged several times but were unable to withstand the weathering fire from the defenders and finally retired in disorder, leaving a number of dead on the field. Among the wounded were some officers. French also took a number of prisoners. London, August 3rd. The three German armies, which include 22 army corps, or nearly one million men, are advancing in three armies on France. One is moving through Belgium, whose territory has been violated, the second from Metz in a fan-shaped formation, and the third from a point close to the Swiss border. The Germans are reported to have taken bail and to have seized the railway from that Swiss port to the French boundary. St. Petersburg, August 3rd. Russian troops have crossed into Germany at several points on the border, and Cossacks have raided the German custom house. The Russians drove the Germans back just east of Kaliningrad, and a column of artillery with infantry supports now holds that port. There has been much skirmishing, but no serious clash between the two forces. 
The Grand Duke Nicholas Nikolovich has been named as chief general commanding the army, deposing the report that the Tsar planned assuming personal command. Berlin, August 3rd. Lebau, Russian naval port on the Baltic, is in flames today. The German cruiser Jugsburg reported by wireless that she was bombarding the town. A Russian cruiser defending Lebau was engaged by the German warship. London, August 3rd. Germans fired on a French post at Petit Crux, and two German officers were killed at Ronnery Boxen, France, when a force advanced on that town, according to advices received by the French embassy here today. Reports to the embassy declared that 100,000 Germans are advancing through Luxembourg. Paris, August 3rd. German troops, mainly the regular border guards augmented by special detachments from the interior, are skirmishing near Belfast, one of the strongest French fortresses near the border. Dispatches here say there have been several encounters between the French and the German patrols. Details are lacking. Belfort is considered an impregnable fortress by the French. In the Franco-Prussian War of 1870, the Citadel successfully withstood a three-month siege by the Germans and only surrendered when the news of capitulation of Paris was received. The town was restored to France by the Treaty of Frankfurt, and its defenses have since been strengthened. Brussels, August 3rd. A French soldier and a German officer were killed in a skirmish close to the border earlier today. Two Yuhans of the regular German army were captured. Paris, August 3rd. France was today declared in a state of siege. Henceforth, martial law will prevail. The government has not yet formally declared war, but the decree issued today declares France and Algeria in a state of siege throughout the war. Brussels, August 3rd. German forces entering a village of Sars, half a mile from the border early today, established headquarters and requisitioned all horses for military purposes. London, August 3rd. French embassy, in an official statement issued at noon, denied emphatically that France has invaded Germany. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Automobiles for hire by the hour, day, or week. Large, comfortable seven-passenger touring cars for parties of six. For delightful trips, spend the Sunday at Benedict Rock Point or Chapel Point. Good fishing and bathing at either place. For rates, phone 96, Palace Automobile Company Incorporated, 115 North Pitt Street. Chamberlain's Tablets, a woman's duty to herself. Every woman owes it to herself to keep in good health. No one can reasonably be expected to maintain a cheerful disposition when half sick. Indigestion and constipation are two of the most common ills to which women are subject and fortunately are easily cured. Miss H.C. Getty, Indiana, Pennsylvania writes, Last summer I was advised by a friend to try Chamberlain's tablets for indigestion and constipation. This medicine not only cured me of the disorders, but toned up my whole system so that my health has been better than for years since taking them. For sale by all dealers. The Summer Comfort. July is here, and we are probably in for the usual amount of hot, humid weather. One of our electric fans will do much to put ginger in the office force on hot days. The cost of operation is negligible, less than one-half cent per hour. Let us show you our line of 8, 12, and 16-inch fans. It pays to have a breeze under your control. Alexandria County Lighting Company, 524 King Street. Between you and me, Post Toasties are the daintiest, tastiest flake food ever. And so think thousands of particular people. Crispy bits of Indian corn, perfectly cooked, delicately flavored, rolled paper thin, and toasted to a golden brown. Ready to eat from the package. No bother, no work. Served with cream and fresh fruit. <laughs> Delicious. Sold by grocers everywhere. You can get those fine buns hot at 10.30 a.m. Cakes of all kinds, pastries, and pies fresh daily. Order your ice cream for Sunday dinner. Will be delivered to any part of the city. H-Block Confectioner, Capital City Phone, 156M, Bell Phone, 131. What? A French army invaded Germany? That's not how I learned it. That came out of Berlin. I suspect Germans have been trying to write their own narrative from the start. After all, the French embassy officially denied that France has invaded Germany. Wouldn't you deny it too? Eh, I suppose I would. But you know how it is. There's three sides of every story. <laughs> More like ten. Nah, just three. We haven't gotten to the information age just yet. Ah, listen to this. England has decided on war. Germany's violation of Belgian neutrality precipitates clash. War only recourse. Premier Asquith to ask House of Commons for 250 million as initial fund for conflict. London, August 3rd. Following a speech by Sir Edward Grey, which left little to the imagination and showed conclusively that sentiment of the cabinet was for war with Germany, 
the House of Commons recessed until 7 o'clock tonight. At that time, it is expected Premier Asquith will make a statement outlining the entire conclusions of the government. It is expected to be a declaration of war, placing the entire blame for the break on Germany. He will present a bill asking for $250 million for war purposes. The sentiment of the Commons is distinctly in favor of the bill. It will probably be passed unanimously. Sir Edward Grey, in his speech, said, amidst frenzied cheering, England must now consider this crisis from the viewpoint of British honor and obligation, as we, as from, her interest. If the German fleet bombards the French coast, we cannot stand aside and watch it. We have been given to understand that Germany is willing to agree that her fleet will not attack the north coast of France, provided we remain neutral. London, August 3rd. England has decided on war. Germany's violation of Belgium's neutrality was the last straw. The British ambassador at Berlin demanded that Belgium's integrity be respected. The Kaiser refused to agree. This was communicated to the cabinet and, according to officials, in close touch, it was agreed that there was nothing left but war. Premier Asquith is expected to make this statement to the House of Commons when it meets this afternoon. He will ask for $250 million as an initial war fund, and it will be voted in a hurry. The Foreign Office announced that Belgium has rejected the offer of Germany that the latter would respect Belgian territory in return for permission for German troops to use a railroad across the former for the transport of a German army designed to invade France. This is the last act in violation of neutrality laws that has forced England's hand and will bring war. High officials say that the war has already been declared and that Asquith will so announce to the Commons. Good Lord! How much do you think $250 million is in 2022 money? I'm going to guess it's somewhere between f right around $5 billion. Not too much for British honor and obligation, though. Eh, fair enough. Huh. Apparently people can get mysteriously shot in 1914. What? Listen to this. Widow mysteriously shot. Man rumor with her declares tragedy her own accident. Pittsburgh, August 3rd. Efforts of the coroner's office are centered on an investigation of the mysterious shooting Saturday night of Miss Marie Brown, 26, a pretty widow of Kettening, in rooms engaged a week ago by C. Waman, 30, in McKee Rocks, a suburb. The two were supposed to be husband and wife, but after his arrest, Waman admitted to having a wife and children in Kettening. Others in the house were aroused by Waman's cry that Marie had shot herself. The woman was found dead in her nightdress on the bedroom floor. Woman insists that acting on a whim, she took the revolver from a dresser and while examining it, discharged it accidentally. That's a damned shame. Sounds like Mr. Wyman is an adulterer. And he probably shot her. A pretty widow in with the wrong sneaky bad man. Such a shame. Maybe it really was an accident. Doesn't make him any better. Any news about that Mrs. Hall case? Yep, looks like she wants to take the stand. Mrs. Hall wants to tell her story. Anxious to go on stand and win jury by force of narrative. No decision made. Attorney still debating advisably of submitting her to fierce cross-examination. Louisa, Virginia, August 3rd. Whether Mrs. Elizabeth A. Hall, on trial for the murder of her husband, Victor Hall, on the morning of April 15th, will go upon the witness stand in her own defense has not yet been decided, according to a statement made by Alexander T. Gordon of the accused woman's counsel. It is said, however, that Mrs. Hall is anxious to take the stand, believing that she will be able, by her own compelling force, to convince the jury that she has told the truth in her narration of the murder. 
Mrs. Hall's story is that her husband answered a strange knocking on the store door on that faithful morning, and that immediately after she heard him exclaim, Oh lordy! Then the sound of a pistol shot, and of his falling as he crumpled up under the assassin's bullet. Mrs. Hall has a certain ease of manner which will stand her in good stead if she takes the stand. But on the other hand, she opens up every avenue of attack which the prosecution could desire. She will be subjected to a terrible fire of cross-examination, an ordeal at which she may well stand aghast. For instance, Victor Hall was found lying behind the counter, she said, several yards from the store door, and she will be asked to explain how it was possible for him to have walked so far after his powers of locomotion were paralyzed by the impact of the bullet in the left lobe of his brain. Then, too, it is said she stated to detectives that she went to the pantry to awaken the little colored servant, Becky Coates, and that she told Becky that Hall had been shot in the back of the head before she had examined the body. She will be asked how she knew this, and why she called Becky before going to the assistance of her mortally injured husband. If Mrs. Hall takes the stand, it is generally believed that her fate will rest in her own hands, that the jury will cast its die on her testimony. Most of the people who arrived at the Hall store soon after the shooting were summoned as witnesses for the Commonwealth, and there is no one to corroborate Mrs. Hall's story of the events immediately preceding to the murder. No one else, so far as it has been brought out, who heard the strange rapping on the door. No one who can explain how it was that Victor Hall was found dying behind the counter, so far from the door entrance to the store, with his head towards the counter and his feet but a few inches from his own bedroom door. These facts, evident to several eyewitnesses, will be hard to explain. And if there be a plausible explanation for them, the secret is still locked in Mrs. Hall's bosom. Hmm, if they had any sense, they'd think the man ran from whoever shot him. Too bad he didn't make it to his bedroom. That poor Roman is really getting railroaded. Unless she really did do it. How do you think she knew he was dead before she actually saw him? She heard it. She heard the shot, and she heard him fall. What I wonder is why they have to say Becky Coates is a color girl. Who cares? It's 1914. Standard or practice to identify a person by the color of their skin. I don't see what difference it makes. Well, you're not from around here. And thank goodness. I hope we don't have to stay here too long. Soon we won't be able to give a drink if these people have it their way. Listen to this. The Prohibition Issue. Wets and dries marshalling forces for election in September. A campaign for the against statewide prohibition in Virginia, which will be voted upon in a special election on September 22nd, is now in full blast. The dries are still indulging dreams of tremendous majorities. The cities of Richmond, Norfolk, Portsmouth, Roanoke, Lynchburg, and Alexandria, and many counties, are in the wet column. The question of taxes is beginning to cut a swath in the campaign. Virginia collects 700000 approximately from the saloons and the liquor houses and licenses. The wets are flooding the state with literature, setting forth the contention that the abolition of a saloon in the cities means the rural classes will have heavier taxes to pay in making up for the lost revenue. This fear is making many hard-headed farmers scratch their heads and wonder whether or not they had better leave the saloon alone in the city as long as the liquor traffic does not bother their farmhands. The campaign cry of higher taxes is the most effective weapon the wets have brought into the fight. Both sides are fighting hard, and a record vote is expected. This vote would be larger, but for the fact that only those who are qualified to vote in the last gubernatorial election have the right to cast ballots in the pending contest. 
Owing to the fact that Henry C. Stewart had no opposition for the Democratic nomination for governor and in the general election, only 120,000 paid their poll taxes and qualified for voting. Approximately 140,000 have qualified for congressional elections. In the 9th district, the dry stronghold, the qualification for last year runs 10,000 below the number who have paid their poll assessments in order to vote in the fight between Representative Bascom and A. Tate Irving for Congress. The wets have plenty of money in which to conduct their campaign. The dries, on the other hand, are making a fight with a smaller war chest. Should Virginia go dry, the breweries will not be driven from the state. The act of submitting the question provides that breweries may continue to operate as long as they sell their products outside of Virginia. Wets and dries. <laughs> That's a good deal of tax revenue they're talking about losing. Well, it's not 250 million. <laughs> oh, heck no. If it was, there would be a war starting right here. <laughs> All right, enough of that serious stuff. Give me my social media, please. All right, well, let's see here. Social and personal. Interesting news notes about people of Alexandria, happenings in society. Representative Charles C. Carlin and Mrs. Carlin, their son Charles C. Carlin Jr. and Mrs. Louise C. Barley have returned from a two-week automobile trip through the western section of the state. They covered 1,000 miles, making a few brief stops. Mr. and Mrs. E. H. Kemper and family left Saturday to spend the month of August at Ocean City, Maryland. Friends and relatives of a number of Alexandrians who are spending their vacations abroad are considerably worried over the prospect of their indefinite return because of the war conditions. Among those who are on the other side awaiting an opportunity to return are Charles Kenneth Carolyn and his bride F.L. Dangerfield, president of the Citizens National Bank, who is accompanied by his daughter Miss Mary Dangerfield, his son Frank Dangerfield, and his niece Miss Harriet Taylor, Miss Fanny Dixon, Mrs. George P. Anderton, and daughter, Miss Alice Anderton, Mr. and Mrs. Justice Schneider, Dr. McGuire, and Mrs. McGuire, Dr. S. B. Moore, and Reverend L. F. Kelly, Assistant Pastor of the St. Mary's Catholic Church, B. Bear, and Miss Margaret McWilliams. The widow and six children of Enchi Forsuch, better known here as Tony Gustav, who dropped dead from heat prostation 10 days ago, had engaged passage for their former home in Russia and expected to sail tomorrow, but will not be able to make the trip at present. Miss Laura Smoot will leave tomorrow to spend some time at Ocean City, Maryland. The Reverend Edward Clark Whitetail of the Order of the Holy Cross, New York, is the guest of his sister, Miss Mary Whitetail, at her home in Rosemont. Mr. Robert P. Whitestone and family have gone to Culpeper, Virginia, where they will spend the summer. Mrs. T. F. Ellis will leave next week for Peaks Island, Portland Harbor, Maine. Mr. and Mrs. Horace D. Ashton announced the marriage of their daughter, Lola Fitzhugh, to Mr. Thomas Emlyn Franklin of Washington. The ceremony was performed at the Epiphany Chapel, Washington, by the vicar and the Reverend Chase F. Edwards on Saturday, August 1st. Reverend P. P. Phillips and family left today for Spring Lake, New Jersey, where they will spend the month of August. Mrs. James W. Byes and her mother, Mrs. Schuler, have returned from a month's trip to Atlantic City. Miss Ruth Smith and Miss Mary Williamson are at Atlantic City spending a two-week vacation. 
Mr. and Mrs. James R. Harmon and daughter, Maria, left Saturday for a month's visit to the mountains. Reverend Virgil Thompson of Madison, Indiana, occupied the pulpit at Trinity Methodist Church yesterday at the 11 o'clock service. Mr. and Mrs. A.J. Healy, who have been visiting relatives in the city for the past two weeks, left yesterday for their homes in Ohio, accompanied by Little Miss Anna Weeby. Heh, <laughs> that's quite a few people heading out of town. I wonder if they saw what last week's paper was all about the robberies. You making a list? And checking it twice. Had to feel a little bad for those folks stuck overseas. I think they'll make it home okay. If you want to feel bad for someone, there's a whole continent for you to set your weeping eyes upon. <sighs> you know, I'd call you smart, Alec, but you're not wrong. A lot of people are going to suffer over there. Mm -hmm. Ed's right. A lot of people are going to suffer. Soldiers and civilians alike. But today, the 1914 World's Fair in Lyon is remaining open despite the outbreak of World War I, although the German and Austrian pavilions were closed yesterday. Will John and Ed stick around? Or is it time for them to fall a bit further through time? Guess we'll have to wait and see. Join me again in a few days when we look in on John and Ed again as they continue falling through the archives. 
they weren't men and wives. He's a little fellow, four foot tall, weighing just a hundred clothes and all. He's a great big lady, weighs two hundred eighty. Just imagine a poor little prince hauling two hundred and eighty pounds to feel them, to feel them. All they do is talk like babies. He's his yelly, yelly rose. He's a is the way they feel and Oh, wait, with your silky, silky, silky face.